or keep you know, pressing forward and uh, be more aggressive. Scott said you guys sat down today for a film session. Um, how did that go, and does that deserve any credit for what happened right now? Uh, I guess you can say that. And uh, every time we, we sit down and watch film together, it's always a, you know, it's always positive. Uh, basically, just told me my, my activity was low, uh, standing around the three point line too much, and um, I got to be more aggressive offensively. All right, that is of course Markeith Morris. Yes, uh, the Wizards' power forward. He got back into doing the things that the Wizards need him to do, like play well. Uh, Twenty-three points, season high for him. Wizards looking like the team that everybody thought they would be, 109-91 over the team that I don't think a lot of people thought would would have the second-best record in the East, the Detroit Pistons. But that's how things are looking at the moment, and the Wizards look like a team on this night that could contend with most teams. But we will, uh, you know, it's one game. We'll see if they can stick with it. Uh, Mr. Todd Dibus is here uh, as well because – I think, I, you know, somewhere along the way, I, I have, like, compromising pictures of Todd, and I force him to do these podcasts with me, basically. No? Like, you're just doing it because you like doing it? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> he wants to make sure that is clear. There's no, there's nothing compromising Robert Mueller <laughs> not looking at Todd Dibus anytime soon. Um, all right, we will be uh, talking about Marquis Morris. We're going to definitely talk about Mr. Thomas Sadaransky, and I will play some audio from John Wall. He spoke today for the first time since going out uh, with that knee situation after he got injections. Uh, so I'll play some of that sound because there's only a couple of us there today. So, you know, you guys need to hear that from somebody. Uh, but the Wizards win 109-91. They did it because in the start of the third quarter, they went on a run, a 17 to nothing run right off the bat. They held Detroit without a field goal for the first like seven minutes and change. Or six minutes and change. That, that's a pretty good way to start, and they finish it off uh, relatively easily. No game. I don't think it got within eight in the last, a, after that. And so the Wizards even out their record without John Wall to three and three. Todd says, "Have you said a word yet?" Technically, I said yes twice. Y- yes twice. Wow. Okay. Well, now we've said now you've said five words. Correct. Great. So um, that was a uh, it was good. I mean, Detroit stunk. Uh, second half. This was one of those games where the where the Pistons were the Wizards from a from some of these previous games where right. they did. I don't know what they were doing. Stan Van Gundy, if you read his post game quotes, clearly agrees. So whatever the Wizards took advantage of some other team wizarding on them, and they they they, they won. They did it. You no, know, Bradley Beal kind of a non factor. Only ten points. He, he started the game with Seven goggles. Turnovers. Oh, I didn't realize that. Seven turnovers. Yeah, he was. He, Hello, Avery Bradley. <laughs> he he is a problem. Um. But he was he was he was wearing goggles because his eye looks like you know he's still looking a little rough from that elbow the other night in Philly. And yet, without John Wall, without without Bradley Beal doing uh, a ton, or at least not you know having his regular kind of game, the Wizards sure. won fairly comfortably. Um, I guess let's just start with Morris because he's been a mess. Certainly, the last two games didn't play in the fourth quarter either. The last two games, nine points total. He had seven points in the first like five or six minutes today. Um, most interesting part, though, with Morris, is, Todd, is that Scott Brooks told us pregame that he and Markeith had a chat earlier in the day. They had a film session, which is something that Brooks does with his players. But he basically said to him, hey, look, you got to start doing this more energy. you got to stay away. I know. I didn't turn the sweet deck off. What do you want from me? Um, you you got you to gotta, – Markeith said that one of the things the message was you got to get off the three-point line, um, you know, get be more active around the rim. We saw more of that tonight. 
Yeah, he said Marquise said he was playing three point line to three point line, um, which was pretty reflective in the in the shots that he was taking coming into the game. He had taken thirty three point nine percent of his attempts this season were three pointers. They need him to do a lot more work, um, at least you know in that eight to ten foot space uh, in the post, just pushing people around. They they need to do that much more often he needs to do that much more often very early he had some he had post-ups against Tobias Harris scored over him the, you know his little jump stop thing that he does and goes up and over people um I thought that was a, a good early sign of what was to come he dunked on the break it wasn't a <laughs> massive dunk but he got up there and put it down uh he had a lot of interesting comments after the game about how much his ankle bothered him still from the Boston series and that slowed him down in the off season and he had the trial he didn't mention that part but we'll add that in there for the summer and then he had the sports hernia surgery and then he so it was also a kid yeah and he had his kid um little girl so he labeled himself 85 percent right now he's 85 percent and said he came back three weeks early so <laughs> I thought all of those things compiled together were very interesting. He also said his little girl, um, she sleeps all right, but any moan or groan that he hears, he gets up. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a very paranoid new dad sure. checking on her relentlessly. So he's also not, you know, sleeping all that much when uh, he's here at home. So uh, sometimes real life does in, intervene with athletes and there's just no way around it for them. So it's been it's been a large pile of stuff that he's kind of navigating through to start this season. Uh, we've seen decent shooting nights, but we certainly haven't seen him look like himself. We haven't seen him play with that ferocity and that force that he's known for, and something that he brought to the team last year. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that he, he he said he came back three weeks early. Yes. So I, I remember he came back at the early end of that surgery, and right, right uh, at the yes, was it six weeks? Yes, right at the six-week point. And obviously, you know, I have no idea. I mean, you, you, you know, you hope that they're doing the right thing. Um, it did seem like he came – I wouldn't say he came back early because I was expecting a longer situation. Maybe it's just because I'm used to when Wizards tell us a timeline, you expect the longer end of it. Uh, but so so that's interesting. It, it is – you know, that, that is a concerning situation when you – especially with the ankle – uh, that is all these months later, and it's still not 100%. It's not like it's going to necessarily get better because he's going to have to keep playing, even if he sits out. I don't know. I don't know if sitting out three games or whatever matters. But in any event, um, it was good to see that. And, look, it made it made a, different, uh, a tangible difference in a lot of ways. I mean, he was up against Tobias Harris, who's very good uh, power forward. And, you know, Tobias Harris had 15 points, but, you know, never really seemed to – Especially in the second half, we you know never really seemed to take over. Um, the Wizards got annihilated on the rebound uh, on the glass in Philly today. Even though Andre Drummond is the NBA's leading rebounder and had 17, the Wizards killed Detroit on the board, 49-32. So Drummond had more than half of their rebounds. That's pretty yes. wild. Yeah, he he is a large human. <laughs> he he is a large human. Um, look, it goes without saying, you know, they, they, they're, they're going to need Marquise Morris to play at a, at, at a level comparable to where he was a year ago, particularly that month or two stretch where they won 17 straight home games. And I, I've said it all along, not that Wall and Beal and others weren't huge, but he, him doing what he was doing, making threes, defending, all that, is what 
allowed that to happen. Even Brooks said pregame tonight called him our wild card, right? If he's if he's playing quite well, you know, you, uh, Gortat's been around in the league and around here long enough that you know basically precisely what you're going to get out of him, right? Like ninety percent of the time, you know what his results are going to be. Then you have Wall, Beal, Porter. If you fold in a fourteen and six effective, forceful Markeith Morris into that mix, then things like what we saw in the middle of last season can happen. Things like we saw in the playoffs where you're, you know, into the final game right before the conference finals, that stuff can happen. So they they desperately need him because, as we talked about in different spots, what he does can't really be replicated. Um, I'm saying that independent of the effectiveness of the Ubre Porter lineup that we've talked about numerous times and we and we understand and, and know how effective that that group has been the last season plus. But also what Markeith Morris does, they don't really quite have that like Mike Scott's like Markeith Morris light, right? Right. So you know well, you, don't, well, like, you re- don't have that direct effect. A lot of people have have kept saying, especially with Markeith struggling, oh start Ubre, put uh, let put him and Otto together. And I'm like Look, it sounds good, and that that five man lineup with them is spectacular. But you got to pick your spots. If hypothetically, like on this road trip, they're going to play the Clippers. Now Blake Griffin is out; he's not going to play. If they were playing against Blake Griffin, Otto Porter might break in half if he has to guard Blake Griffin for thirty minutes. You need Marquise Morris in some of these matchups. Now Tobias Harris is a bigger guy, but that, but that's one where he could have hypothetically gone with an Otto Ubre. But you know, obviously, fine, he didn't. By the way, I forgot to say this at the top. Todd loves what I'm about to do. What I'm about to do. The other day, after after the uh, Minnesota game, when uh, I it was it was a victory lap podcast because I took <laughs> full credit for Jan Mahimi's performance because that day I'd written or the day before I'd asked Brooks what's up with keep playing Mahimi when he's not playing well, and uh, I, I also I wrote about Otto or talked about Otto Porter. Why is he not getting the ball in the fourth quarter? And why not you why not set a pick for him once or twice? They did that all that good stuff plus Sadoransky stuff. Well, I'm doing that again here because the podcast yesterday was called. Uh, sit Morris question mark and pregame Brooks when asked about Morris said yeah, he's not getting benched. If he I, had a bad game again tonight, yeah, yeah. he wasn't so, about to get so benched. So I'm right. taking that at, and I wasn't advocating benching. I just was the you know, provocative uh, title, but I'm just saying clearly the words getting out. They're paying attention to what's what's being said over here. Apparently, yeah, apparently. Um, I will, will let you know what I will let everybody know in advance what I come up with next. I don't have anything today. Everything's fine right this second. But you're, you're on your way to like 17 consecutive years as the general manager, no matter what. I mean, if they listened to me, they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have signed Andre Blatt to that extension. I'll tell you that. Um, all right. So, uh, and and you know what else they would have done? They they would have. Been, God only knows. Yeah, they would have been playing Tomas Sadoransky a little bit more. That would have been nice. And look, this is now. Did we both get a victory lap for that? Uh, yeah. Adele's place gets a victory lap, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look. I think know. he's actually running it right now, Friday night here I, in Chinatown. He's well, just lapping around. Well, the funny thing is on that. I don't. He wasn't. I didn't see him pregame, but mm-hmm. after the game, I saw him big smiles like his kid just hit the winning home run in the eight-year-old yeah. under league. So uh, he, he he seemed to be pretty happy. So so let's just update. Uh, so so look, Sadoransky comes in again. Tim Frazier starts. Todd was freaking out about that because he didn't like the point guard matchup between how, how Detroit was rotating their guys. Well, it, it's completely illogical to just real quick. Go for uh, it. I'll be very brief. Here. No, you go to, to start go. Tim Frazier against Reggie Jackson and then bring Sadoransky in to face Ish Smith. 
Like, you know that's going to happen. But anyway. Uh, uh, but moving, anyway. Moving so, on, especially with the way Sadoransky has been playing lately. But moving on. Yeah, no. So, so Sadoransky, he once again ends up playing. Uh, actually, I take that back. He didn't actually play more minutes than Tim Frazier. They played dead even. They both played 23. Frazier played seconds, a few seconds more. But Sadoransky was definitely the more effective of the two. Here's how effective he was. Career high, 17 points. He hit five of six shots from the field. He hit two three-pointers. He had four assists. He had zero turnovers. That means now in the four games without John Wall, he is now 14 of 22 from the field, 22 assists, zero turnovers, and a plus 52 plus minus in 89 minutes. I mean, you know, that, that, that that's pretty good all the way around. He's just giving them energy and one th- and look, uh, while you and I thought he should have played maybe should have played more last year, especially when they literally had struggles at the backup point guard spot, and he's a point guard unlike Trey Burke. Uh, whatever, he was a rookie. He was he was far more uh, cautious or unsure of himself than he appears to be now, and that's fine. If if, if you know Brooks was felt he needed to ease him into it, so be it. But the start of this year it was also more the same. If John Wall isn't hurt. He probably hasn't played in three of these four games, right? Uh, right? So it, it, it's taken that to get him going. The one thing I, I talked to March and Gortat after the game, and I'll play some of that audio later on or this weekend or something. Uh, in discussing Sadoransky, and one of the things he said was that, yeah, he, a key for Sadoransky is he's a point guard, and he's actually now playing point guard, and and. And he that wasn't Gortat criticizing the coach, but basically sort of just saying, yes, he's now being allowed to play the position he's most comfortable with, and things are working out. Beal said, you know, also said that you know, ha, you know, he's a guy who totally gets the position. He's unselfish. What 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 have you? And boy, I tell you what, look again. There's gonna be a few more games till Wall gets back, presumably mm-hmm. uh, a handful of games. I, I just don't see how you go back, how, how it goes back to the way it was. And look, Tim Frazier tonight, six assists. Um, you know, in 23 and change, I really don't have a huge issue with Tim Frazier. It's just that sure. it's Sadoransky. He's, he's just he gives you so many more options. He's so much bigger. You know, I mean, uh, by the way, you, your quick guard thing, I don't think he did a bad job defending Ishmael. I don't think he did either. But I, I'm saying from the coach's standpoint, sure. pregame, the coach sat here and said that his problem is guarding small, darty yeah. guards. And so he matches them up directly and on purpose with Ish Smith. Um, the, well, when Reggie Jackson also is the other guy, it's not like it was two little guys. Um, Reggie Jackson's a big point guard, so yeah, it it, it was strange. And but into your other point about Sadoransky, this hopefully this is the end of the square peg round hole experiment where the Wizards are trying to force Sadoransky to be something he's never been. They brought him to the most difficult league on the planet, and then they're like. Instead of being a point guard, we want you to be this hybrid player. And, you know, so go shoot 500 threes a day and figure this out. And we want you as a wing more than a point guard. And just forcing these weird, this massive amount of change onto him, it didn't make any sense, especially with their person. It wouldn't make any sense if they had a good backup point guard last year and this year. And... It makes even less sense when you don't have a good backup point guard last year primarily, and you have a guy this year who's done okay, but isn't this, and yet 
still your premise is we're going to force this person to be something that they're not. Um, and, and in any walk of life, that's basically bad management, right? No matter what kind of business you're running, you, you don't put the introvert on a stage and be like, go sing a song that doesn't work for them. You can do if you, you want to. You do if you want to see him piss his pants. Yeah. So you you put them somewhere <laughs> where they can excel. It, it, it's just it's illogical um, on a lot of levels, and hopefully this little stretch is a, is a cure for that poor premise. And I will say this to that point, like the second unit, it, it isn't just that Sadoransky has looked good. The second unit has been very good this whole stretch. Yes. Now he said Sadoransky said after the game. You know, he said, hey, look, we played good as a second unit. As a point guard, that makes me feel good. I get more confidence out of that. Sure. Right. What I have thought all along is that when you, if Brooks is going to insist on going with the five bench guys, which he did again today, and granted, there's no wall. It's a little bit harder to spread things out, and Beal is not 100% with that eye situation, and, you know, he's still trying to figure out to get Markeith going. I think Sadoransky is just a better fit for that second unit because of the fact with him and Ubre, you have two guys who are aggressive and energetic, and... Mm-hmm. You need – they don't have a lot of other guys on that, on that second unit who can just get their own. You need somebody to do something, penetrate, make a play, force some sort of a double team. Pace. pace. That unit needs pace because if they get bogged down in a half-court game, right. they're stuck. And, and so to that point, if I'm Brooks, I may be looking at it like, well, I want to keep Sadoransky with that group, and he looks better there. Whereas I think with Frazier, because the starters just That's sort fine. of need That's the fair. ball. Sure. But this is also why I think whenever Wall comes back, I, I would – I mean, if – it. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up later, but like the numbers of the second unit these last four games are obviously way better than what they were previously. And I think part of it was, again, you talked before about putting people in the proper spots. Tim Frazier, point guard, on that second unit without any real go-to guys is not going to work as well, and we've seen that. So uh, th- that, to me, is the most interesting part. Does Scott Brooks get take away from this uh, that Sadoransky needs to be, not just play ahead of Frazier, but for this spe- specific second unit – Makes more sense. That's my takeaway, at least. Yeah, it, it appears that way. Again, this is a, a moderate sample, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves sure. that he's going to continue a 22-zip assist-to-turnover ratio and, <laughs> sh- and shoot 58% or whatever it's been the last four games. That's that's going to come back to earth. However, um, it, it's pretty clear evidence that he could be a competent NBA player as a backup point guard. Backup point guard. So... And, and, and just last thing I'll say, and I think Please I said sir. this, I think I said this the other day when I was driving home from uh, Philadelphia and all kinds of mad at myself. Um, How'd that drive go? Good. I, the, the, you can ask the listeners of the Lockdown Wizards podcast. They were along with me for the for all six for, hours for the hilarity <laughs> of hilarity of that adventure. Um, but if you look at this team, big picture, all the talk we have about okay, they've got the starting five, and then what's the bench? And then even beyond that, where's the upside? Because other than Ubre, it's hard to look at anybody and say, well, that guy's got potential. This is why Sadoransky to me is so key. I don't, you're right. It's a small sample size. I don't know where this is going, but the potential is much bigger than it is with Tim Frazier. It's much bigger for the, with Sadoransky and Ubre than it is for basically everybody else on the second unit. It doesn't mean they're better than Mike Scott or Jody Meeks. We just know what they are. These guys, the, with their size, their athleticism, their length, who knows? But we haven't really got seen the, the dunking Sadoransky aspect of this all. I mean, not too much. If he gets really going here with that, the potential for what this second unit could look like could be significantly better. It's not just that. It's a team that's totally screwed with the, in regard to the salary cap, and they have this guy at $3.1 million 
next season, $3.9 million the following season, then he's a restricted free agent. So if you actually figure something out here, um, and we have now we, you know, from their standpoint, they would say now we have John's backup. And then you can look at other things that you that you need to fix and other maneuvers that you, you can make there and spend what little money you have somewhere else because those guys that you just mentioned, Tim Frazier, Jody Meeks, Mike Scott, their likelihood of being here more than one season is very low. Well, Frazier is a, is a free agent after this year. Meeks has an option. I assume he'll pick it up, presumably. Um, but in terms of next year, right, Saturday, I mean, again, we're not going crazy, but I'm saying if if this if if he looks to be viable, he can not only he could be the third guard because I know we're saying he should be point, but you can play him, especially if the shot works a little bit more. You can play him with either John or Brad. Hypothetically, uh, they haven't had a third guard in I don't even know how long, and then you have Meeks as the shooter. So all of a sudden things are looking a little more a little more optimistic if this hits. But again, we won't get too carried away. Uh, speaking of backing up John Wall, they're having to play without John Wall, but John Wall talked today about. Getting closer to coming back. Uh, you can go, if you go out to uh, NBCWashington.com, you'll find what I wrote. By the way, I should say, what did you write about Mr. Diabas tonight? What did, did you write about Markeith? No. Or am not I yet. taking away I'm from the, writing? Um, no, I wrote about Sadoransky. I wrote about the third quarter, um, but kind of shaped that around what happened in the second quarter when they made Beal the point guard and Avery Bradley took him apart in that spot and they lost the lead <laughs> and worse. Um, during that stretch, God knows what the score would have been if they didn't go through that in the second quarter. Um, and then a little bit, just a little bit about Markeith Morris. Uh, right. I'm going to write a lot more about Markeith Morris for Monday's newspaper. Um, it's a thing where we, we comes off a printing press, it gets wrapped up, trucks go out, uh, they deliver it to different places. Theoretically, people purchase it. It's a very expensive, um, laborious, time-consuming endeavor uh that's going the way of the dodo well in any event go check that out do check the newspaper go to online the washington times but now here's john wall uh specifically this is the part where he talked about the decision to uh get the injections in his knee what led up to that well, Milwaukee, it was kind of, it was cool. It wasn't too bad. And then Charlotte, it was fine. Then, like, after the game, it was like a couple of my friends that was there watching the game, and then my agent was like, he was limping throughout the game, but I didn't notice it. You know, I'm just in adrenaline motion going through the game. It happened to be playing back home from my family, and it was like, all right, we need to do something about it. So we talked, we figured out what it was. And then after Charlotte game, I barely could walk. Like, that's when the bruise right got hit. It kind of was flaming up again. My knee was swelling up even more, and it was like, we got to do something about it. So I agreed to it. What can you say about just having to deal with um, all these minor injuries you've had to deal with so far this season, it's only been... You know, it's, a part, it's a part of the season. I mean, the shoulder was there, but I was able to talk to an ankle sprain. I mean, it's a part of the season. Nobody's always going to be 100% healthy. healthy. Um, I'm going to tell you, to play through things. It's just to the point where I really was affecting my play as much as possible. And I tried to get through as much as I could, but then the point was like, you have to take care of and think about the long term instead of the short term. I was going to ask you, you do play through a lot of stuff. I was going to say, did it almost seem like somebody was like, hey, you need to deal with this. Like, we're going to almost do this to you so you can't just keep playing through it. Yeah, and then at the same time, it's me also thinking, like, I have a lot of career left in me, so there's no point of, all right, I think I proved my point now, so me missing a little bit of time ain't going to do too much of what I can do when I'm fully healthy. All right, so there you go, John Wall. Uh, you know, sounds like he was definitely struggling after that Charlotte game. He played 
it was weird. Uh, it, you know, he had sat out that Toronto game, then he played in Milwaukee, then he plays Charlotte over over 40 minutes of an overtime game. Seemed like a lot because whatever, but obviously they also didn't expect they were blowing that game, and they did. So, um, you know, I think ultimately he's right when he says you got to think bigger picture, not just this season, but his career, especially for a guy who's now had a bunch of knee issues. And that you've already paid. <laughs> well, from the Wizards' perspective, yes. He said that his agent was the was the first one who sort of said to him, hey, you're kind of limping out there. You maybe need to uh, work on this. And I do recall, I think it was Scott Brooks the next, at, when they made the announcement, Scott Brooks said that the agent was was part of the consultation. So I remember thinking that was interesting at the time. Sure. And uh, here as well. Um, I also, if you go read the article on NBC Washington, I wrote in there about what he said about the source of the knee pain because uh, there was some discrepancy on that, so you can go check that out. Uh, look, I, I you mentioned Marquise Morris maybe came I, he came back early. It doesn't mean he was rushed, but he came back early. Uh, you know, this is what's key about a game like this. But I don't think we well, let's do the, be one hundred percent. He was cleared to play. Yeah, he chose to play. So I don't I don't want to make no, no, no. as anyone is portraying the team in the wrong here. Yeah, no, I'm saying he he was ready to go. They said so. He did. Mm-hmm. Um. The Wizards are now two games over 500. They're going to they're about to go on a five game road trip. You know, the whole question everybody had was, would they finish up be over 500 by the time John Wall comes back? We'll talk about the road trip uh, later on in the podcast. But uh, you know, I, I, look, they better not go 0 and five. I just don't think they will. Starts in Utah. You know, Utah's not looking the same team as they've been in previous years. But um, you know, as, Ooh, double MMA. Is Millsap still hurt? It's Denver, but Millsap's out. Oh, yeah, I'm but, sorry. But he's, but he's out for – and they've already, they already played out there. But he's out for a while. In any event, the uh, this is the key about yeah, – yeah. if Morris is going to – Morris plays better, if Sadoransky can keep this up, then they don't have to maybe feel as compelled to, to bring John Wall back early. And part of what John said there was it's in his nature to play through stuff. That's part, part one of the questions I asked him was about the fact that you think they almost kind of made you take the procedure – to keep you off your own feet because you're going to want to go. And he said, yeah, probably a little bit. So hopefully the Wizards don't push this. Two, the original timeline was two-ish weeks. That would be in the middle of this trip. I, I'm not saying, you know, again, if they say he's ready to go and he's ready to go, okay. Uh, but if you can start off strong on this road trip, Sadoransky can keep this going. Beal, you know, gets back to his normal spirit. We didn't even mention Otto Porter. He had 17 points tonight. You do you do enough of that. Standard. You don't have to rush him back, and that would be good, I think, for the long term of this team to get more guys going. But also, hopefully, it would help John Wall uh, feel better going forward. And on that note, we're gonna go feel go, better. Go. Oh, yes. we didn't even get to that. How could I? I'm so awful. Yeah, the they, the G, the G League team, right? You guys heard this by now. The Capital City Go Go's. That's the team. Uh, Ted Leonsis spoke. I will play that audio uh, later on because he had some interesting. Responses about with regards to his vision of what the G League can be and, and and what it would mean for the Wizards. So I'll play that for you as well. There was a lot of content today, Todd. High, high volume of things to discuss. Didn't even get to that, but what can you do? Gotta go, go. Gotta go, go. All right. On that horrible note, <laughs> thanks to Todd Dibus. Until next time, see ya. Neil gets open for three. Dagger. Oh, Brian, oh, Brian, shot. Oh, Dagger! Oh,